and more football from the manager's perspective. Manager Chris Corns admits a massive rebuild is required at Worcester City if he is to take the club back up the league table next season. City play their final game of the season at home to Stone Old Alinians on Saturday, looking to end the season on a lighter note after what has been a difficult campaign on and off the pitch. Four different managers and large changes to the playing squad has impacted the team on the pitch and they are going to end the 2022-23 term in 17th place in the Midland Football League Premier. Corns came in in November and has managed to keep City up, but now the aim is to push on and big changes are needed to do that. It's a big rebuild that's required, but I've done it before at Budley on a much smaller budget, and at the start of this season, we gave it a good go there, he said. We left to come here, and now we have a job to do. No disrespect to Budley. Worcester still has a name in non-league. It still has a pull. I speak to a big pool of players around this level, and ones above, and it's about getting the black book out and selling players the plan. It's a massive job, but I'm confident I can do it. And once next week is out of the way, it all starts properly, but we have already been making plans behind the scenes. A run of four defeats inside seven days last week has left a sour taste in the mouth for supporters and corns, who puts the poor form down to a lack of confidence and an element of taking their foot off the gas. City were officially safe before last week, but the run of losses has no doubt frustrated and angered the manager. Four games in a week, there is an element of fatigue there, added Corns. But when you are fatigued, you have to dig in and have a bit of heart and desire about you, and I just think we haven't seen much of that. They've got to a point where it's a job done, avoiding relegation, and they have taken their foot off the gas a little. I have been in a relegation battle as a player and manager. It is stressful, it does mentally fatigue you, but it's not an excuse. I suppose it was a relief when we were mathematically safe, and after such a stressful season with four different managers, you can put the form down to that a little bit. We just need to get through the season now. It would be nice to give back to the fans with a win on Saturday, but also for the volunteers, the staff behind the scenes and us as managers. We want to go out on a high. Worcester Wolves tamed. Worcester Wolves' promotion hopes were ended on Saturday as they fell to a 70-55 defeat to the City of Birmingham Rockets in their National Basketball League Division 2 playoff semi-final. Wolves had several players unavailable for selection, but fought their way into a first-half lead before eventually buckling under the superior depth of top-seeded Birmingham. Wolves quieted a raucous sellout crowd by holding their hosts scoreless for the opening three and a half minutes while slotting in six points of their own. Lucas McGregor had the early hot hand, repeatedly driving strongly to the hoop and finalising a 12-point burst with an imperious triple. Wilfred Sante profited from an unsportsmanlike foul after a mid-court tussle with Ronald Obeira 
and Ian Vivero Rodriguez set up Tom Grayling to close out a 19-14 first quarter advantage. Rockets finally got their noses in front at 23-22, three minutes into the second quarter, before a spectacular spell of play reversed the lead and brought a throng of travelling Worcester fans to their feet in delight. Back and forth, play then ensued, and at the break the hosts managed to hedge ahead 30-28. The closeness of the contest carried on to a 35-35 tie by midway, though through the third quarter before Wolves began to wilt and Birmingham began to create some daylight on the scoreboard. Entering the final period, trailing 46-39, a tiring Worcester were unable to prevent the deficit widening and in the end the home side were able to pull away for victory. Ultimately, we didn't have enough left in the tank against the numbers they had, said head coach Dean Blake. They kept rolling players in and at the vital time we weren't able to hold on to the game. Nevertheless, we, are, were complete, we competed and I'm proud of the effort our guys put in. Despite missing out on back-to-back promotions, Blake reflected on what has been a positive season for the Wolves. We've had a really good year with a lot of first-year players doing well for us, he added. We've played in 24 matches this year and unfortunately fell just short of making one more game, the final in Manchester. At the same time, the club has done a fabulous job off the court by pulling in some big crowds back in Worcester and attracting another big turnout of fans to follow us here to Birmingham. All in all, it's been a good season for us. And that is the end of this week's contribution. Thank you very much for listening. The obituaries will follow the music, but it just remains for us all to say goodbye and until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, And now for the obituaries. Barbara Alice Reynolds, née Charlton, passed away peacefully on the 22nd of March. The funeral is to take place on Tuesday the 25th of April, 1pm, at St Barnabas Church, Worcester, followed by burial at Astwood Cemetery immediately after. Donations to cancer research in Barbara's name, if desired. Family flowers only. All inquiries to be made to Co-op Funeral Care, Worcester. Patricia Dorothy Sharrett died peacefully 23rd of March 2023, aged 94 years. Funeral service to take place at St Mary's Church, Kemsey, at 2pm Friday the 28th of April. Flowers accepted, donations if desired, are for Save the Children and Alzheimer's Society. At family's request, comfortable and colourful clothing preferred. All inquiries to Merstow Green Funeral Home. Anthony Tony Hayes passed away peacefully on the 24th of March. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on the 24th of April at 12.15. Request is to wear bright clothing. Family flowers only, please. Donations to Alzheimer's UK on the day or via www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Monica Hayes.
Margaret Kirkwood, née Everett, a Worcester yoga teacher and Barclays Bank employee for many years, Margaret passed away peacefully on the 24th of March 2023. Her wishes were for a quiet burial with no service in Cornwall, where she'd retired to enjoy long walks and ocean swims. We will all remember her in our own ways as we continue on our journeys while she rests, having completed hers. Forever loved and remembered. Doreen Mary Munn, nay Wells, passed away peacefully on the 27th of March. A funeral service at St James's Church, Norton, on Monday the 24th of April at 2pm, followed by interment at the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Alzheimer's Research UK may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Please wear a touch of colour, safe in the arms of Jesus. Margaret Olive Cox passed away peacefully on April the 3rd, aged 100. She will be sadly missed by family and friends. Doreen O'Keefe peacefully passed away on Monday the 3rd of April. Funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Wednesday the 26th of April at 3pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to Macmillan Cancer Support, George Crump and Sons. Ewan Arthur Bruce Davis passed away peacefully on the 7th of April. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 25th of April at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Cummery and Sons. And we send our thoughts and prayers to all the family and friends of those whose loved ones have recently died. by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us here at Colin Chance House. There isn't always someone here, but leave a message and we'll get back to you as soon as they can. I'm Sally and Liz and Ian were reading with me and Nigel is our sound engineer. We'll be featuring the news from Friday, April the 14th until Thursday, April the 20th. We uh, will feature some what's on in the local area, some general headline, general activities, sorry, general articles of interest, including the headline stories and ending with a couple of sporting items. The obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. Now there's an item here about the elections um, which are coming up. You will no doubt be aware that the elections are looming. 
11 wards in Worcester are holding elections for city councillors in just under a fortnight's time. And you may well be aware also that the rules for voting have changed a bit since last time. But the electoral services team at the council, in fact Ellen Meekin, the senior electoral service officer, has recorded, especially for us, some very useful information on accessibility at polling stations for the visually impaired with particular reference to the new government requirement for voters to show photographic proof of identity. So here is Ellen Meachin. On Thursday the 4th of May 2023, City Council elections are taking place here in Worcester. The UK government has introduced a new requirement for voters to show photo ID when voting at a polling station. In this article, I will explain which form of photo ID you can use to vote, how you can apply for a free voter ID document, what will happen at the polling station and what assistive equipment is available for you to use. There are several accepted forms of photo ID that you can use at a polling station. These include a passport. The passport can be issued by the UK, Northern Ireland, the Channel Islands, the Isle of Man or a European Economic Area State. You can also use a blue badge parking permit, certain concessionary travel cards, an older person's bus pass, a disabled person's bus pass or a driving licence including a provisional licence. A complete list of all the forms of accepted ID can be found on the Electoral Commission website. If you have a question about whether your ID is acceptable, you can contact the Electoral Commission on 0800 328 0280. If you have a form of accepted photo ID, but it is now out of date, you can still use it to vote at a polling station as long as the photo on it still looks like you. If you don't already have an accepted form of photo ID or you're not sure whether your photo still looks like you, you can apply for a free voter ID document known as a voter authority certificate. How to apply for a voter authority certificate. The deadline to apply for a voter authority certificate for use at these elections is 5pm on Tuesday the 25th of April, but you should apply as soon as possible. You can apply online at gov.uk forward slash apply for photo ID voter authority certificate. You can complete a paper application form and send this to your local council or you can apply in person at the Customer Service Centre in the Guildhall, Worcester. The team will assist you to complete an online application and even take a photo if you need them to. Alternatively, if you have a specific need because of disability, you can ask your local council if they're able to accept your application over the phone. What information do I need to give when I apply for a voter authority certificate? When you apply for a voter authority certificate, you will need to provide your name, address, date of birth and national insurance number. If you don't know your national insurance number or you don't have one, don't worry, you can still apply. Your council will contact you to request an alternative proof of your identity. You will also need to submit a photograph with your application. The requirements for the photograph are similar to the requirements for a passport photo. Your local authority will be able to take your photo for you if you're unable to take one yourself. Once approved, your voter authority certificates will be sent to you in the post, along with instructions explaining how to use it. 
When you complete the application form, you'll be asked whether you would like to receive the instructions in large print, braille or an easy read format. The Voter Authority Certificate includes a raised tactile marking in the top left-hand corner to help you identify it. The marking consists of four small dots repeated three times. What will happen at the polling station on election day? When you arrive at your polling station, a member of staff will ask for your name and address so that they can find you on the register. Next, they will ask to see your photo ID. They will check if it is acceptable and check the photo is a good likeness of you. If your ID is acceptable, they will give you your ballot paper and direct you to complete it at the polling booth as usual. A private area will now be available at each polling station, so you can choose to have your photo ID viewed in private if you prefer. What is available to help me in the polling station? The UK government recently introduced changes which mean that different assistive equipment may be available at polling stations. In Worcester, this means all our polling stations will now be equipped with additional seating, a large magnifier, a tactile voting device, pencil grips, additional lighting and a large print ballot paper to be used as reference. If you would like to use any of the additional equipment to aid you to vote, simply ask a member of polling station staff. You can also ask a companion to help you vote. This could be anyone you trust to help you who is over the age of 18. They will simply need to provide some information to the polling station staff to fill out a short form. If you need further assistance in the polling station, do not hesitate to ask. Staff will be on hand to help you. Worcester City Council are looking for ways to make voting more accessible. If you have suggestions or requests for equipment that could be helpful in the polling station, please get in touch with your electoral services team or speak to the staff at the polling station. And that was Ellen Meachin of the electoral services team. If you did want to get in touch with her, her website is electoralservices at worcester.gov.uk And the days are getting longer. The sunrise today was at 6.05am and the sunset 8.13. And now I'll hand you over to Ian for some useful phone numbers. Thank you. Uh, firstly, the telephone number for us here at Colin Chance House is 01905 767766. The number for Worcester Hub is 01905 765765. Worcester Theatre Box Office is on 01905 611427. The Morven Theatre box office is 01684-892-277. Police non-emergency number is 101. Medical non-emergency number is 111. The Samaritans are on 116-123. And lastly, Worcester Wheels for Transport are on 01905 Moving on to the thought for the day, 
Uh, this is from John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now we just have one birthday to report this week and many happy returns go to Marjorie Hughes whose birthday is on the 27th of April. Uh, now we'll look at the um, local theatres, Worcester and Malvern. And one of the uh, Worcester News journalists has put together um, a little a list of what's on at Malvern. Um, writing, theatre lovers are in luck because we've put together a list of some of the shows you will be able to see this summer. Not only that, but some well-known actors such as Coronation Street star Katie McLynn, who will be performing in a play called Wish You Were Dead. And this play also features Clive Mantle, best known for his role in Game of Thrones, Sherlock and Casualty. There are so many great plays set to take centre stage this year, so they've just put together a few of them. Pride and Prejudice, sort of, in brackets. This retelling of Jane Austen's classic love story features a string of pop classics, including Young Hearts Run Free, Will You Love Me Tomorrow and You're So Vain. The play is still set in the 1800s and audiences will be able to watch the characters indulge in ruthless matchmaking. The dates at Malvern for this is Tuesday, May the 30th to Saturday, June the 3rd. Then we have Unexpected Twist, which runs from May the 9th to May the 13th. It's a retelling of the Charles Dickens classic Oliver Twist by one children's book writer, Michael Rosen. Adapted for the stage by BAFTA award-winning playwright Roy Williams, who is known for his roles in Soul and Sucker Punch, the play will also have original music by R&B star Yeye Bay and BAC Beatbox Academy's Conrad Murray. The next show is called The Verdict, <clears throat> and that runs uh, between June the 6th and Saturday, June the 10th. This play focuses on a washed-up, middle-aged, alcoholic lawyer called Frank Galvin, who lives in Boston in the early 1980s and is played by Jason Merrills. He is a World War II veteran and a drinker, and his marriage is in a mess. He spends his time looking in the local newspaper for deaths and injuries so he can offer his services as a lawyer, so he's on the very lowest rung of the legal ladder. Merrills is known to millions for his roles in Agatha Raisin, Emmerdale, Casualty, Waterloo Road, Happy Valley and many more. Then we have Mice, Mice of Men. It's of Mice and Men. Show dates uh, for Malvern are April the 25th to April the 29th, so you'll have to be a little bit quicker off the mark for this one. Many of us know of, of Mice and Men which is an enduring tale about friendship. The play puts a modern lens on Steinbeck's tale of the crumbling American dream. 
It's been directed by Iqbal Khan, who directed the opening ceremony for the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Tom McCall will play the role of George alongside William Young as Lenny. And lastly here we have Wish You Were Dead, which runs between June the 12th and June the 17th. This play follows DSI Roy Grace and Cleo Mori as they take a holiday together. They hope for a few days away from their world of murder, but their dream holiday takes a dark turn as the past comes back to haunt them. Um, also at Malvern, I'm just looking here, is Menopause the Musical 2, uh, which is, oh sorry, that one's actually on this evening, so we've missed that one. Um, Friday, no, that's no good. Um, May, the 2nd to the 6th of May, um, is Magnolia, uh, by, written by Robert Harling. So I'll just give you the dates on that. Um, then the Mulvern Concert Club, Emma Johnson and Friends, is on next Thursday, April the 27th at 7.30pm. On the 4th of May is Johan Radebi, Freedom Unleashed, a brand new production for 2023. And Ben Fogel is gone wild. <laughs> He's on the 10th of May at 745 um, with stage stories and tales of hope, possibility and positivity. And we've had Unexpected Twist. And uh, The Sound of Springsteen is on at the 11th of, on the 11th of May at 7.45 again at Malvern. So we'll, those are running on into May. Here in Worcester, We have on Saturday Paul Young behind the lens. Now that he's a, a singer, but he's obviously taking some time out to do something a little bit different. And that is actually at Huntington Hall this coming Saturday, April 22nd at 7.30 p.m. On Sunday the 23rd is the King of Pop. This is at the Swan Theatre. And this is a tribute to Michael Jackson. And on April the 26th, the Wednesday at 7.30, is Maddie Pryor and the Carnival Band, Chapel and Tavern, a kaleidoscope of instrumental and vocal colour. Um, a little bit ahead, Thursday 27th to, and Friday the 28th, which is next week, Roy Chubby Brown um, is on at Huntington Hall at 7.30. Uh, I've mentioned Menopause the Musical on the 28th. The Everly Brothers and Buddy Holly Tribute Show is on Thursday, April the 27th at the Swan Theatre. And also at the Swan is Absolute Reggae on the 29th at 7.30. And so I think we'll leave it at that. There's quite a lot going on really, isn't there? <laughs> Thank you, Liz. And now we'll go to the headline stories, starting with Friday, April the 14th. It's getting worse. Safety fears amid crime spate and armed police. Concerns have been raised about safety after incidents in the same part of Worcester, including the arrest of armed men at gunpoint. Four men were arrested on suspicion of possession of an offensive weapon, threats to kill and theft of a motor vehicle in Lowesmoor. The suspects, 18, 19, 24 and 26, have been bailed by West Mercia following the incident on Wednesday, April the 5th. An eyewitness said, 
Two men were pulled out of a shop on Wednesday night by armed police. One was lying down in the middle of the road under gunpoint and the other was held to the side by an unarmed officer. A 44-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of criminal damage and assault following an incident nearby in Pheasant Street at 8.40pm on April the 10th. On February the 1st, shops selling illegal tobacco were targeted by police and trading standards during a joint operation in Lowersmore. We visited several shops in Lowersmore to gauge concerns, but all either declined to comment, said they did not know about the incidents, or they would pass on details to their manager, who was not available at the time. Councillor Lynn Denham, a Cathedral Ward councillor, said, Any crime taking place in Worcester is a concern. I am pleased if West Mercia Police have been successful in identifying suspected perpetrators and bringing them to justice. I don't know if Lowersmore is a particular hotspot for crime. There have been some raids by trading standards on shops selling illegal tobacco. I hope that doesn't reflect on the legitimate businesses which operate in the same area and offer a selection of food and drink not available elsewhere in the city centre. Kim Angel wrote on the Facebook page, It's getting worse in Lowersmore. Paul Roberts wrote, I love Lowersmore, such a lovely place. Not. The Police UK website, which displays crime data, shows a robbery reported in Lowersmore itself in February, the latest data to be published. The data also shows two violent and sexual offences reported in the Silver Street car park and two of robbery on the ASDA site itself in February. Councillor Richard Udall, Chairman of the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee, said, The problems associated with Lowersmore are not unique to that area. We have seen an increase in violent crime and disorder as well as antisocial behaviour. We are considering a fair employment charter for late-night Worcester venues and shops so they will pay the living wage, protect their staff from harassment and provide safe journeys home. We will also crack down hard on any premises which are not obeying the rules. We will not tolerate venues and shops which break the, the law. The message is clear. We are watching you conform or close. Worcester's MP Robin Walker said, Incidents in Lowersmore had caused concern, but less so recently since the introduction of alcohol restrictions. Uh, moving on now to the lead story for Saturday and Sunday, April the 15th and 16th. Feral gang caused terror. A feral gang of foul-mouthed youths on bikes terrorised shoppers, forcing some families to hide in a city store. A concerned mum, who did not wish to be identified, said the group of 12 to 14 youths were riding their bikes at people in Worcester City Centre on Thursday afternoon, shouting and swearing at one man who dared to challenge them. The woman said, I won't be taking my son back to Worcester any time soon. They want people to go into Worcester and go shopping and they worry about footfall. But you're safer in the ballroom in Birmingham than, than in Worcester city centre, she said. She described how the high street was empty after the incident. The mum, who estimates the gang were aged between 12 and 17, said she wanted other shoppers to know they could go into shops and staff would call, call West Mercia police on their behalf. She described how one man shouted oi at a youth who rode into him on a bike only to have youths shout and scream at him. 
A shopper, who was with her eight-year-old son, said there was no security and no police around before the incident. Nobody would stand up to them for fear of being attacked. People need to know if they're feeling threatened and walk into a shop, they will phone the police for them, she said. The Worcester News has been told some shoppers took refuge inside TK Maxx at around 4pm. There were people hiding in the shop because they did not want to go outside with their kids. The woman added, They were so rowdy and the language was disgraceful. It was intimidation on a very large scale. My boy was thoroughly intimidated. They entered the city centre showing absolutely no regard or respect for shoppers with their foul language, intimidating confrontation and generally acting as a pack of feral children with low intellect and absolutely no boundaries. West Mercia Police said it was linked to them banning four teenagers from the city centre for 24 hours following a report of antisocial behaviour. Police were called to an antisocial behaviour incident at Newport Street car park. A large group of officers were seen in the car park talking to the group of youths at 4.40pm. There were three police vehicles at the scene, including two cars and one police van, with one of the cars still displaying blue flashing lights. Uh, the headline story from Monday is Roadworks Chaos, as a frustrated driving instructor says he spends more time stuck in traffic than actually driving. A frustrated driving instructor said ongoing roadworks are making his job harder because the city feels like driving in a car park. Darren Richardson has been teaching people to drive in Worcester for 23 years, but said he and his students now waste time stuck in traffic jams. Instead of picking up students from their home, he prefers to meet them at Farm Foods Car Park in Shrub Hill Retail Park to avoid being delayed by traffic and roadworks. Mr Richardson said he spends most of his day stuck in queues due to the amount of roadworks taking place around the city. Drivers saw long queues on London Road due to temporary traffic lights on multiple occasions at the start of the year. Roadworks were also taking place in Lower Broadheath, the city centre, Bath Road and Shrub Hill. However, Worcestershire County Council said roadworks are planned around school holidays as the amount of traffic is reduced. Mr Richardson of Wilds Lane said when they shut down multiple roads at the same time, it is chaos. Driving in Worcester is like driving in a car park. The traffic goes all the way up to the Salvation Army on City Walls Road and then up past Sansom Walk in the church. The roadworks and the traffic make the job harder to teach. I only do early lessons in St John's because of the traffic. I will travel as far as Pershaw while teaching students. I started a lesson at 8am and we hadn't even done any manoeuvres or exam prep by 8.45 because we were stuck in traffic for 45 minutes. Worcester is a waste of time to drive in. Why would you want a lesson where you're stuck in a queue for half of it? A county council spokesman said 
The County Council always seeks to plan and manage roadworks to minimise delays to motorists and the most disruptive works are generally planned during school holidays where traffic is reduced. It is not always possible, however, to schedule all activities within school holidays and some of the recent works in Worcester have been emergency works which need to be completed at the earliest opportunity. And on Tuesday, April the 18th, prolific criminal sent to prison. Man, I don't need prison. A 44-year-old man jailed for a number of offences, including using a fire extinguisher in a city chip shop, told magistrates, I don't need prison. Justin Wynne, who appeared on video link from HMP Hewell to Worcester Magistrates Court, tried to speak to magistrates before his case started by saying, I hate it here. Eleanor Pert, prosecuting, went through Wynne's crime spree, which took place between November last year and this month. The court heard on November the 11th, Wynne stole fragrances worth £39.99 from TK Maxx in Worcester. On December the 5th, Wynne har harassed Abby Slim in Worcester. On December the 16th, Wynne stole £63.39 from Home Bargains in Worcester before assaulting the store manager and resisting arrest when police arrived. On January the 13th, Wynne stole £100 from the co-op in Pershaw. On April the 4th, Wynne stole clothing worth £99.95 from Mountain Warehouse in Worcester. On April the 10th, in Worcester, Wynne assaulted Osama Butt. On April the 10th, Wynne committed criminal damage at Mother Hubbard's Fish and Chip Shop at Shrub Hill Retail Park. Miss Pert said in the chip shop crime, Wynne had sprayed the fire extinguisher before running off. She said it had led to the shop having to be cleaned and the cooking fat replaced. The prosecutor explained Abby Sim, Slim was a housing officer who Wynne had intimidated in an incident that lasted half hour and caused the victim distress. And Miss Pert said, in the home bargains incident, Wynne had assaulted the store manager as he had tried to stop the thief. Wynne admitted three thefts, using threatening, abusive and insulting words, behaviour to cause harassment, two assault by beating, causing criminal damage, obstructing a police officer and breaching his criminal, criminal behaviour order during the hearing on Friday, April 14th. Ian Parsons defending said, he is a man who has been in and out of custody. He has not had a lot of probation input, but they have come to the point they are struggling with him. Mr Parsons said the assault of the store manager had come when Wynne tried to knock a radio out of his hands. The solicitor added the Mother Hubbard's incident took place after the defendant fell down a manhole cover outside the shop, Wynne blaming staff for it being open. Jacqueline D'Souza, chairman of the magistrate's bench, told Wynne they have decided to jail him for six months. He was not asked to pay compensation to the stores, the chairman saying they wanted to give Wynne a clean slate when he left prison. But Wynne was ordered he pay £100 compensation to Abby Slim. At the end of the hearing, Wynne said, I know you've been fair with me, but I don't need prison, before his video link was turned off. Moving on to the lead story for Wednesday, April the 19th. Five saved in a river rescue. 
A park run volunteer came to the rescue of five people whose boat capsized on the River Severn. Derek Fernside of Northwick Road was marshalling for the park run event at Pitchcroft on Saturday, April 15th, when he realised a boat had capsized. Aware of the dangers that the cold, fast-flowing Severn posed, Mr Fernside was quick to call 999 and five people were rescued from the river by firefighters. I was marshalling for parkrun at my usual spot when I saw something happening on the other side of the river, he said. I quite often see the rowing club out on the river and enjoy watching them as well as the runners. There was a bank of trees between myself and the river, but I heard shouting and could see a boat had become stuck on the Hilton roadside. They were there for a few minutes trying to right the boat, but then it capsized and they were tipped into the river. The water is freezing cold this time of year and the currents are extremely strong. I heard them calling for help from other rowers, but it could have taken ages for them to get there, so I called Fire and Rescue. The safety boat came from the rowing club about five minutes later, but even that struggled to get to them because the current was so strong. Mr Fernside, who has been volunteering at Park Run for the past few years, said the fire service were quick to attend. The Midland Air Ambulance was also seen circling overhead. A fire service spokesman said, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service was called out at 9.15am on Saturday to a report of people in the water after a boat capsized on the River Severn in Worcester. Two crews from Worcester Fire Station attended Grandstand Road as well as a water rescue team from Worcester and a water first responders from Droitwich. All people were accounted for, with five having entered the water, and they did not require medical treatment. Mr Fernside has been named Volunteer of the Week by the Parkrun organisers, who said others may not have acted so promptly and with so cool a head allowing the right rescuers to be on the scene so quickly. But modest Mr Fernside was quick to add, it's what anyone would have done. And today, Thursday the 20th, headline is It Felt Like an Earthquake. A falling tree shocked residents. Said it felt like an earthquake as an old tree fell onto parked cars. Neighbours rushed into the street as the giant tree came down on top of cars in Leckhampton Close, off Tetbury Drive. It was growing on land next to a private car park when it fell on Tuesday evening. Two cars were cut out from underneath the tree by firefighters, who then moved the cars to the other side of the road. A van was also trapped and appeared to be badly damaged. Neighbours said the tree falling felt like an earthquake and they were shocked and surprised the tree had fallen because it had been around since the 1960s. Firefighters and members of the Highways Department at Worcestershire County Council cordoned off the area where the tree fell at around 6pm. Another neighbour said the tree had been there since about 1967. She said... I was surprised something like this had happened. It's a shame, it was a good old tree. One woman who asked not to be named said, my car was parked where the tree was 
and I saw my car underneath. It's scratched, dented and damaged and I don't know if, if it will be written off. Firefighters left the scene just before 10pm. A fire service spokesman said one Worcester fire station crew attended the scene where a large falling tree had landed upon vehicles in a car park with no people trapped. One van was primarily affected and a tree surgeon helped release it from under the tree with a Worcester relief crew stepping in as the work went into the evening. And it actually looks like a eucalypt because it is in full leaf. <laughs> And now for some general items. New owners of post office extend hours. A post office has extended its hours to fit around customers who work 9 to 5. Ombersley Road Post Office has undergone many transformations. Sharmalan Milan and Dinesh Nathan, the two newest postmasters, said they want to change how the post office can best serve its regular customers. Sharmalan Milan, postmaster, said... We change the times for the people who go to work because it avoids rush time, so they have plenty of time to visit and drop off their parcels. If they work 9 to 5, it takes the stress off them. The post office was open between 9 and 5.30 Monday to Friday and 9am and 1pm on Saturdays. However, it will now be open until 9pm on weekdays. This week the shop will also undergo another transformation and will have a three-space car park to assist customers needing to nip in and customers who struggle with mobility. Mr Milan said people sometimes struggle to access the post office because there is nowhere to park. The post office also has plans for the future to improve the way customers use the service. Mr Sharmalan said... We are looking to improve as we go and try to open several days a week for the post office in the next few months. Ombersley Road Post Office opened in March after a month-long refit when the business changed hands. The post office was handed over from Donna Evans, the former postmistress of 21 years, to Mr Nathan and Mr Milan. The two decided to change the post office completely, giving it a new lighted ceiling and serving various treats and alcohol. The pair took over the business on November the 2nd. The shop will be open Monday to Sunday between 5am until 10pm. It will be back to shoulder pads, lycra and high-waisted trousers as the theme for this year's Worcester show is revealed. Preparations for the Worcester show are now well underway with official theme revealed as the 1980s. Stallholders and visitors to this year's festivities are invited to wear 80s fashion for the event. This year's Worcester show will be held at Pitchcroft on Sunday, August the 13th, between 10am and 5pm, and will feature a wide range of stalls, sideshows, food and drink, and live entertainment. Ian Hilton Turvey of the Friends of Worcester Show said... There's a superb team working away behind the scenes to get everything ready for the show. We're really excited about the 80s theme for this year's event and it will add even more fun to the show. You can find out more details about the show and how to enter the competition classes by going to www.worcestershow.org.uk. 
There are also over 140 competition classes ranging from arts and crafts to flowers, vegetables and cookery. Classes are free to enter and an exhibitor may enter up to two entries in most classes. To find out full details, go to www.worcestershow.org.uk forward slash exhibitors. This year, there will be several new competitions at the festival, including visible mending and pressed flowers. There will also be a new section on creative technology and an I Grew Up 80s exhibit at Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum. Worcester Show organisers are fostering the exhibition on loan from collector Max Fox into the theme of this year's show. The exhibition is at the museum from July the 8th until September the 9th. The show is delivered by Worcester City Council, supported by the Friends of Worcester Show. This year the festival is encouraging attendees to walk, cycle or take public transport to the Worcester Show. Pitchcroft is within 10 minutes walking distance from Worcester City Centre and a short distance from Worcester Bus Station. The festival is also always looking for volunteers to help with the organisation of the festival and a wide variety of other jobs needed to help the festival run smoothly. A memorial in Belgium to Worcestershire soldiers who lost their lives in the Battle of Gullivelt during the First World War has been unveiled by the Mayor of Worcester. Councillor Adrian Gregson led a Worcestershire delegation to Gullveld, Sonnebeck, on Friday, March the 24th. The ceremony took place at the renovated and extended memorial to the 34 men of the 2nd Battalion, the Worcestershire Regiment, killed at Gullivelt in October 1914. The Mayor said, It was a moving ceremony to remember the sacrifice of the men of the Worcestershire Regiment who fell, defending our freedom more than a 100 years ago. It is a matter of great pride for Worcester and Worcestershire that we were so strongly represented at the rededication of this memorial. The memorial in Gelleveld was privately funded and we felt it needed restoration. The memorial now has two new panels and a brick surround, thanks to funding from the Worcestershire Ambassadors, the Mercian Regiment, Worcester City Council and the Worcestershire World War 100 project. Councillor Gregson led a delegation of 20 people from Worcester and Worcestershire, including representatives from Worcestershire Ambassadors, the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regimental Association and the 1st Battalion, the Mercian Regiment. On the evening of the same day, as the last post was played, the Mayor laid a wreath at the Menning Gate in Ypres alongside Lieutenant Colonel retired Mark Jackson, MBE, representing Mercian Regiment and Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Association, and Russell Walker of Atwell International, whose great-grandfather fought in the Battle of Gullivelt and was representing Worcestershire ambassadors. The Battle of Gullivelt, after which Worcester's Gullivelt Park is named, took place in October 1914. Around 400 soldiers from the 2nd Battalion of the Worcestershire Regiment fought at Gullivelt. 
their counter-attack saved Ypres from capture and the British army from defeat. Weary from two months of hard marching and fighting, unshaven, unwashed and in torn uniforms but good spirits and plenty of ammunition, they forced the young and inexperienced German enemy to withdraw and, with the few soldiers of the battalion of South Wales borderers who had been left behind in the retreat, they cleared the area of enemy. The heroic success of the 2nd Battalion's counter-attack turned the course of the war, helping Allied forces to organise a more substantial defence against the Germans. Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust have introduced new name badges aimed at improving experiences for patients with cognitive and visual impairments. The Trust have introduced badges featuring the employee's name in large, bold, black text against a yellow background. For patients with conditions such as dementia or Alzheimer's, having the staff member's name as the focus of the badge may give a sense of friendliness and support faster recognition if the patient has met the staff member before. The badges also feature the text... Hello, my name is, reminding staff of the importance of introducing themselves to the patients. Pensioners fear they will have to move out of their homes as they face astronomical rent increases from platform housing. Michael Payne, who has been paying £607.04 for a one-bedroom flat at Bilford Court, Southdown Road, off Bilford Road for 18 months. However, platform housing has increased the rent at the sheltered housing and Mr Payne will now be expected to pay £941.16. Platform housing said it had been forced to raise the rent due to a rise in service charges. He receives a state pension of £869. Mr Payne also has some money from DWP and a small pension from Webb's Garden Centre after working there for 45 years. His daughter Lisa Payne said she had never seen her 72-year-old dad so happy living after moving into Bilford Court. Mrs Payne, a self-employed beauty therapist, said the rent increase has caused the family to worry. My dad loves it there and we've never seen him this happy, but the rent has gone up by an astronomical amount. He's left with nothing each month and it is causing him a great deal of stress and anxiety each month. Residents have signed a petition calling for the new rent totally unreasonable and impossible for some people to afford. Mrs Payne said, We are just really upset and angry. We all are but I'll do everything I can. A lot of Dad's friends don't have a representative. Some don't understand what is happening and can't use the internet. My dad just hands the paperwork to me and says, Princess, can you sort it? And of course I will, but it's stressful for me and my brother. I don't think Platform will do anything about it. Michael Bruce, director of Platform Hub and Income Management, said he was sorry to hear of the customers' concerns. He said, It is the rise in service charges due to the cost of living crisis which has caused the majority of the increase. 
we have a team who are able to offer support to ensure customers are receiving all the income available to them and we can assist with applications for the Energy Bills Support Scheme. We also have a wellbeing fund that is available to all our customers. A new train fleet has made its first journey to a train station in Worcester. New West Midlands Railway trains left Birmingham New Street and made their way to Worcester Shrub Hill. The new trains mean the fleet will be able to pick up passengers from Worcester, Droitwich and Bromsgrove and is being rolled out onto the West Midland Railway, Heref Railway's Hereford Line. Class 196 has a total of 26 trains with air conditioning, plug and USB sockets at every seat and storage space. The new trains are part of West Midlands Railway's £690 million investment in new trains and infrastructure. Initially, a small number of journeys on the Hereford Line will be run by Class 196s as the new trains are drip-fed into service over the coming months. A spokesperson from West Midlands Railway said the trains offer 25% more capacity than the fleet they replace. Johnny Wiseman, Customer Experience Director, said, I'm delighted that even more passengers are now able to take advantage of our newest train fleet with the rollout of the Class 196s onto the Hereford Line. With smart air conditioning, power points at every seat and extra space on board, I am certain these trains will prov prove a hit with our passengers in Herefordshire and Worcestershire. One of the trains in the fleet, called 196004, was officially named Sir Edward Elgar by the High Sheriff of Worcestershire, Andrew Manning Cox, at a special ceremony last month. It was held at Worcestershire Hill Railway Station on the morning of Friday, March the 24th. However, it was announced last week that there will be no direct trains between Worcester and London until June in order for repair works to take place. Train users heading up to London should expect busier trains than usual between Oxford and London Marylebone from Monday, April the 17th. Great Western Railway is unable to operate any trains between Oxford and Didcot Parkway until the 10th of June in order for network rail to repairs on a bridge to take place. Swarms made up of thousands of bees are set to descend on the county. Beekeeper Simon Freeburn is urging people not to panic as honeybees begin to swarm later this month. Seeing a swarm, often around the size of a rugby ball, can be quite alarming, but Mr Freeburn says there is nothing to worry about. Most people, the first thing they do is get in a panic, he said. It can be quite a terrifying sight when you see a swarm, but really at that time they are probably at their least aggressive. Swarming is a natural process as part of the bee's reproduction cycle. The queen leaves with up to half of the hive and finds somewhere to hang in a cluster. Scout bees then head off to decide on a new home for the colony. Swarming typically begins at the end of April and continues through until the end of June or early July. Often there is a peak on clear days after poor weather when temperatures approach the high teens. 
Mr Fairburn, 65, is one of the many swarm collectors in the county who will come out free of charge to collect the honeybees and provide them with a new home. Last year he collected a total of 14 swarms, including one from RGS Worcester and others in St Peter's, Hallow and his home village of Ombersley. I would urge anyone who finds a swarm to stay back, keep kids away and just call a beekeeper and not to contact pest control, he said. Although bees aren't protected, the ethics of killing bees is certainly not a good one. People are starting to understand just how important they are. They say that 70% of the world's crops wouldn't exist without bees. Your local swarm collector can be found on the British Beekeeping Association website. It is important to note that they will likely only be able to help with honeybee swarms and they urge people not to use chemicals or other pesticides on bees and advises that bumblebees should be left alone as they are valuable pollinators and some are endangered. A former Worcester student, who is a self-made millionaire, made a surprise return to his old school to inspire pupils. Peter Johnson, who is an ex-Christopher Whitehead Language College student, is now CEO and founder of Firma Stella Sports Memorabilia. The business is one of the world's biggest sports memorabilia companies and has led Peter to mix with an array of sporting stars. Peter returned to his school to give a talk to students on the six steps to overcoming challenges and becoming successful in life. Peter then took open questions from the students, with the best question being awarded a signed Marcus Rashford Manchester United shirt to keep. The prize went to Cody Beck in year eight, who asked, When did you start to believe in yourself? One student said, I found the assembly very inspirational. It made me look at the world with a different view. It motivated me to believe in myself and do what I love. Another added, he was very honest. He didn't say it was easy. He said it was hard, but you can do it. It was fun and inclusive. Peter also visited the sixth form before Christmas to share his message with students. He said, making good choices is important, but the most important thing is to make a choice. Go for it. If you fail, if it all goes wrong, learn from it. Grow, and this will help you make a good choice next time. A city doctor has shared advice after a new COVID variant was found in the UK. The UK Health Security Agency has confirmed the XBB.1.16 strain, known as Arcturus, is present in the UK. Dr Jason Seawoodhurry, a Worcester GP based at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, has warned the country is not in an ideal situation to face another wave of infection. He said, it's possible we may see another wave of infection, but with the reduced level of testing and surveillance in the UK, coupled with waning immunity and the removal of social distancing measures and use of face masks, we are not ideally suited to managing another wave of infection. Arcturus has mutations on its spike protein, 
that the World Health Organization says makes it more contagious, but there is no evidence it increases severity of disease. However, a rise in cases could put health services under pressure compounded by the effects of the four-day junior doctor's strike. Dr Seward Harry added, Early data suggests Arcturus does not have any increased ability to evade protection from vaccines compared to other Omicron strains. Omicron-targeted booster vaccines will provide some protection and I would urge those who are eligible, the over 75s and clinically vulnerable, to get their booster vaccines. The anti-Covid drug Paxlovid will continue to work as an effective treatment. Patients with symptoms of infection, which are very similar to those of the flu, should seek medical advice. According to the UK Health Security Agency, there are currently less than 100 cases in the country. The Arcturus variant is a sub-variant of Omicron and has led to the Indian government reintroducing prevention measures, including face masks. The strain was first identified on January the 23rd this year and was designated a variant under the monitoring by March the 22nd. There were almost 8,000 new cases in the country on Wednesday, though the country's federal government said there was no evidence of an increase in hospitalisations or deaths. Maria van Kerhoff said the World Health Organization's technical lead for COVID-19 response said, Omicron is the variant of concern that remains dominant worldwide and there's still more than 600 sublineages in circulation. One of the variants that we're looking at is the variant that we have under monitoring, which is the XBB.1.16. It's very similar in profile to XBB.1.5, but has one additional mutation in the spike protein, which in lab studies shows increased, in, increased infectivity as well potential increased pathogenicity. <laughs> So it's one that we're monitoring. It has potential changes that we need to keep a good eye on. A Malvern-based singer will be performing Brahms Requiem as one of the counties at one of the county's most iconic venues. The concert will be a chance to remember lost loved ones and to pay tribute to those who cared for them. Jonathan Brown will be baritone soloist for a performance at of the Requiem in Worcester Cathedral on April the 29th at 7.30pm. He will join the Cathedral Chamber Choir and soprano soloist Sheila Davis and be accompanied by two grand pianos in the composer's arrangement. The performance will be conducted by Stephen Shellard, the choir's director of music. Jonathan has been head of music at Malden College since 2014 and is well known in the town for conducting the Malden Festival Chorus. His singing career started as a chorister at New College, Oxford, and later took in full-time posts with Chichester and Winchester Cathedrals, singing with the BBC Singers at the Proms and many professional engagements in the USA, Australia, Europe and the UK. In 2007, he conducted a memorial service on the Falklands for the 25th anniversary of the war in the presence of the late H 
M. Queen, which was broadcast around the world by the BBC. The performance takes as its theme remembrance, recovery and hope, echoing the mood of the music, ending on a quiet, optimistic note. The concert will give those present a chance to remember those who suffered or lost loved ones in recent years in the pandemic or for other reasons, as well as those who cared for them. Health workers and members of the other Blue Light services will be represented in the audience. Coming a week before the coronation, it also provides a fitting opportunity to remember the late Queen. The concert will start with music by Schubert for piano duet and continue without interval, followed by drinks in the cloisters. Tickets at £18 are still available from Worcester Cathedral website and eventbrite.com. A proposal for the former co-op building in St John's to be transformed into shops and housing has been pitched to Worcester City Council. Councillor Richard Udall, Worcester City and Worcestershire County Councillor for St John's Ward, believes Worcester City Council should purchase the building as a new investment opportunity. Staff gathered outside co-op in the Bullring on Saturday, April 9th to say goodbye after 130 years of trading in St John's. Councillor Udall believes a mixture of small shops and housing plus a new public open space with extra parking and cycling facilities could replace the former co-op store. He said retail and shopping in St John's is vital to local people and the city as a whole. It cannot be right for such an important area like St John's to have one of its largest retail units empty for so long. Not only would this be a much-needed investment for St John's, it could provide a good return on the capital employed, earning revenue for the local authority, which could be ploughed back into public services. I believe the suggestion deserves some serious consideration. Worcester City Council was not in favour of plans to replace the site with 58 new flats for the over 60s in February, stating the project was too big. Councillor Udall also wants to see more investment shown to St John's, similar to that which has been seen in the city centre. He said St John's also needs investment and levelling up, not just the city centre. We need to consider how we can support the economic development of St John's, how we can encourage small specialist retailers to return and provide housing and leisure facilities. A St John's public square would be brilliant, somewhere for people to meet and have a chat or a location for a farmer's market. We could do something very special for St John's. We just need the inclination, the desire for change and the ability to meet the challenge. Worcester City Council declined to respond to Councillor Udall's statement as it is in a pre-election period. Councillor Udall is standing for re-election in St John's Ward at the 2023 elections against Peter Jackson, Liberal Democrats, Mark Davis, Trade Unionist and Socialist Coalition, Bertie Ballinger, Conservative Party, and Susan Avery, Green Party. 
Vulnerable people in Worcestershire are receiving free nutritious food from local Tesco stores thanks to the selfless work of a local charity. The Vulnerable Assistance Network provides free surplus food from the supermarket to people in communities throughout the county, with the food helping to ensure that local families don't go hungry. Volunteers at the charity receive in-date food from Tesco, then make it available to families free of charge, ensuring they have fresh and nutritious food. The Worcestershire charity receives most of its food in donations from the supermarket as part of the Community Food Connection Surplus Food Scheme, which involves local Tesco stores and food surplus redistribution charity Fairshare. Vulnerable Assistance Network began life as the brainchild of kind-hearted sisters Debbie Deacon and Nikki Pierce, who were inspired to start the charity after seeing many people's livelihoods affected by the pandemic. They have since set up a network of collectors who pick up surplus food and distribute it among the communities they live in, especially reaching people who cannot get to a food bank. The charity also supports nurseries to assist with food for breakfast clubs, after-school clubs and a pantry to provide food for parents. Debbie said, We're very grateful to Tesco for this food. It helps us distribute to as many people as we possibly can. Our volunteers work really hard. During the pandemic, so many people were affected, regardless of how well off they were. We don't discriminate. If people need food, we will provide it for them. In addition to the team of volunteers, Debbie and Nikki are helping young people earn their Duke of Edinburgh Silver Award scheme, uh, Silver Award, by encouraging them to give a hand at the charity. Nikki added, "Young people are the future of charitable organisations, and without charities, the country would come to a stop." So we're glad to be able to show young people the benefits of volunteering for good causes for themselves and for their communities. We're also embracing modern technology to reach people in their communities. We have set up many WhatsApp groups, with one having 400 people in it, so that no one needs to miss out. The Community Food Connection Scheme ensures that surplus food from Tesco is given to charities and community groups, whose volunteer members then distribute it to the public. Across the UK, it redistributes two million meals each month. Claire de Silva, Tesco Head of Community, said, working with community groups such as Vulnerable Assistance Network to help them get the food they need is such an important service for us to be able to provide. The dedication they have to their community is amazing and we are pleased to do what we can to support. We firmly believe no good food should go to waste, which is why we began our Community Food Connection Scheme. It enables us to ensure our surplus food is put to good use in communities. Craze taking city by storm. If you've taken a walk around the city centre in the past few months, you may have noticed a slew of new bubble tea cafes. Different from other cafes, bubble tea shops predominantly sell one kind of drink, albeit in a range of flavour combinations. 
Where the city once had one cafe selling the colourful drinks with bobber balls, which are now four bubble tea cafes, there are now four bubble tea cafes in Worcester city centre. Ping An in Pump Street was the first to offer the drink, and now three other bubble tea cafes have opened up within a year. Marcus Mack, owner of Bubble M in the Hot Market, believes Worcester has more bubble tea cafes than most cities of a similar size. Mr Mack, who opened his shop four months ago, said, I opened up because I noticed there was no bubble tea in this area of Worcester. Right now there is quite a lot in Worcester compared to the rest of the UK, and I think that is because there are a lot of teenagers here. It is a younger city. Bubble tea has a lot of tastes, choice, and you can decide your favourite, which is why I think it is popular in the UK. Mubu Worcester, Cup Bubble Tea, Bubble M and Ping An Orient Oriental all compete within the city centre to provide the best bubble tea. The drink was so popular within the city when Cup Bubble Tea opened in December, scores of people were pictured queuing outside. Bubble tea originated in Taiwan in the early 1980s and typically consists of tea accompanied by chewy tapioca balls, grass jelly, aloe vera or red bean. A popular version of the drink also uses dissolvable pellets filled with various fruit juices. Yu Yu, owner of Ping An Oriental, had her business in the city centre for the longest after opening in 2015. She said it became popular after Covid when children did not have a lot to do and they saw it on TikTok. It's quite a different drink because you can drink and chew and there are so many different flavours and options to choose from. We do have some competition but that is what happens when something is popular. Every shop has a different way of making bubble tea so we keep our regulars. A duck has been found shot dead by a gang of youths. Worcester resident Laura Jolliffe has shared her anger after seeing a group of teenagers shoot a mallard duck. Her husband, Simon Jolliffe, tried to save the bird after the shooting on the Worcester and Birmingham Canal, but it was too late. To the three boys who thought it was funny to hit a duck with a slingshot in the neck, congratulations, you've killed it, said Mrs Jolliffe. The poor thing was drowning. My husband retrieved it from the canal but it died shortly after. Urging others in the area to be on the alert, Mrs Jolliffe added, Please, everyone, be vigilant around the canal from St George's Lane North up towards Purdiswell. I'd hate any more ducks or even the swans to suffer. So cruel. Mrs Jolliffe's home overlooks the canal path where the incident happened, near the bridge on St George's Lane North. At around midday on Saturday, April the 15th, her husband saw three young boys around 11 to 13 years old. The youngest-looking one aimed either a BB gun or slingshot, something with pellets, basically, at the mallard and shot it in the neck, she added. My husband shouted to them, but they ran off the canal path, over the bridge and off down the lane that's between the Gregory's Bank new build site and the canal towards Purdiswell Way. My husband got the duck out of the canal to stop it from drowning as it couldn't hold its head up, but it was bleeding out, so it didn't make it. West Mercia Police has been informed and have been contacted for comment. 
And now we have an item from Mike Price, who is uh, looking at uh, looking back in history. He writes, I know it's no consolation if you've been stuck in an airport waiting for a delayed flight, but this annoyance has afflicted the air travel industry from the start, and I mean the start, right back to the late 1700s. For it was in 1785 that one of the UK's first baby steps into space took place from a field in Worcester more commonly used to grow artichokes. The occasion was an air balloon ascent by a fellow named James Sadler, England's original balloonist, and it ended up being a month late, a delay which caused impatient local rustics to riot. Sadler, who began life as a pastry cook, made his first ever balloon ascent on October the 4th, 1784, from Oxford, and with ballooning catching the imagination of the public, huge crowds gathered to watch. There is no record of the names of the, quote, respectable gentlemen of the city and neighbourhood of Worcester, end of quote, who made the invitation to Sadler, but his agreement to come to Worcester for an ascent was a decided coup for the city. The flight was planned for July 22nd, 1785, and widely promoted in advance, both in the press and with posters and handbills. The launch site was to be on a plot of land called Artichoke Field off Salt Lane, which today would be sandwiched between the old Royal Infirmary site and Farrier Street in the renamed Castle Street. Entrance to the field was one shilling for gentlemen and sixpence for tradesmen. One shilling in 1785 would now be worth about £8.36. However, the day did not go well, and we are indebted to the Whitehall Evening Post for the following eyewitness report, it wrote. It was estimated that 10,000 people gathered at Worcester on Friday 22nd of July to see Sadler ascend into the atmosphere in his balloon and fly. However, the balloon burst while being filled. As a consequence of this delay, once the hour of 7pm had passed, voils of stones, dirt, etc. were sent into the garden and the tumult increasing, the gates were forced open and numbers rushed in, threatening destruction to the balloon and its proprietor. The lower class of Worcester rustics, vexed at their disappointment, became much irritated against Mr Sadler and wanted to duck him in the seven. Luckily for Sadler, some gentlemen of respectability and influence humanely interposed and persuaded some of the crowd to desist, even though the cry of down with it, destroy it, was repeatedly vociferated by others. Undeterred, Sadler had a second go on August the 25th. The Whitehall Evening Post adding, This time Sadler's ascent went without a hitch and he landed at Stretton Grandison, approximately midway between Hereford and Worcester, where some 40 people were harvesting in the field. But they fled with the utmost precipitation, except an old woman who, with some difficulty, 
was at last persuaded by Mr. Sadler to take hold of the cord. Sadler dined that evening with Gilbert Nicolette at his nearby mansion of Bromtrees. Apparently, the family had been eating when he passed overhead, and they immediately ran out to invite him to their hospitable table. The next day, Sadler returned to Worcester, where the populace took the horses from his carriage and drew him about the streets in triumph. So let's hope the captain of your Boeing 737 doesn't expect the same welcome when he eventually lands in Alicante. A cash boost for the air ambulances. The air ambulances across Worcestershire are set to benefit from funding to help landing in poor weather conditions. Strentsham Air Base is one of six that was successful in its application for a share of 200,000 funding from the Global Navigation Satellite System programme run by the UK, Civil Aviation Authority and Department for Transport. Funding will support their blue light landing sites to put in place new systems to allow helicopters to operate in challenging conditions that they previously would not have been able to, which will save lives in critical situations. The GNSS programme, in its third phase, has already provided thousands of pounds needed to deliver safety improvements. The programme focuses on improving flight safety by helping organisations implement new approach procedures using satellite technology, much like a GPS in your car. Rob Bishton, Group Director of Safety and Airspace Regulation at the UK, Civilian, uh, UK Civil Aviation Authority, said, Emergency services will benefit from improved flight safety and increased resilience for helicopter services, which will allow landings to take place in severe weather and challenging conditions, potentially saving lives in critical situations. We'll work with applicants to deliver these benefits across the UK and enable the GNSS procedures to be implemented safely and efficiently. The scheme received many applications for the third phase, making the selection process highly competitive. The UK Civil Aviation Authority and Department for Transport chose to allocate resources to organisations covering five helicopter landing sites specifically for emergency services because of the benefits it will bring to people in their surrounding communities. Baroness Veer, Minister for Aviation, said, The UK continues to harness the latest technologies and draw on the strengths of our space industry to boost flight safety. This funding will help ensure air ambulance crews in regions across the county can land in challenging conditions so more patients receive urgent care when they need it. Gloucestershire, Somerset, Sussex and London were also set to benefit from a share in the funding. And we're now going to finish this section of general news stories with three sporting items. Uh, The first being a piece on... Uh, under-18s football. It was a night to remember for the young Worcester City under-18 players as they produced a superb second-half comeback to beat their Kidderminster Harriers counterparts 2-1 in the final of the Herefordshire Giant Killers Cup. Harriers dominated the game and chances in the first half and took the lead just before the break when Samson Hewitt beat Dominic Hill to find the net. It could have been a killer blow right on the whistle and Kidderminster continued to impress into the second half. 
forcing city keeper Hill into a number of good saves. But the city boys plugged away and worked hard to wrestle back some sort of control in the game before they found the equaliser in the 70th minute through pinches. The game was edging towards a potential penalty shootout, but with six minutes left on the clock, City managed to grab the winner when Day scored, sparking jubilant scenes across both amongst those on and off the pitch. City had to dig deep in the closing stages, but they stood firm and were able to celebrate a fine win with their manager, Rob Humphreys. City's first team manager was present for the game and he took to Twitter afterwards to share his congratulations. Absolutely delighted for the management and all the players. The second half performance was brilliant. The desire and heart showed by the players to come from behind was fantastic. A very close-knit group and I'm buzzing for them. The dressing room was very lively after. Well done. It caps off for what has been a brilliant season for the 18s, with still plenty of football to come. They sit third in the Midland Floodlit Youth League and are in the mix to win the title and gain promotion. <laughs>